Hi, I'm Chris and with me is Matt and we're slowing down to connect with people around us between the miles. Matt, how is it going, my friend? How are you doing today? And I, I'm, I am like, I'm on cloud nine right now. Um, cloud nine, go for it. What, what What's going on? Well, uh, you know, personally, uh, I just, um, I didn't think I was going to get here this quickly, but I, I just actually just finished a half marathon in under two hours, like on my own, right? Like we're still in COVID and, uh, yeah. and it's nuts, man. I'm super pumped. Um, and it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like the perfect storm of, you know, doing that and then having such a high energy guest that we get to talk with today, right? Like super excited mm -hmm. to be able to talk with Jess. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, and, and for uh, for all of our listeners, I mean, Matt has been tearing it up. I, we 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 went for a run the other day, and it was seven miles. And I like he he's always kind of like, man, you're like pushing the limits, and and I felt like I was playing catch up. Um, and uh, and so Matt is really tearing it up, and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to um, convince Matt to take on an ultra marathon uh, one of these days. But uh, but to do that, you have to be high energy, like <laughs> our guest Jess. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm pumped for you, man, but I'm really excited for our listeners to meet, uh, today's guests. Um, why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, tell everyone who we're talking to today? Yeah. So, so Jess Langley, um, you know, for those of you out there that know her through like, uh, the color, colorful Jess and the white coffee creative, um, she is, uh, was introduced to us by Kate McKay who uh, most of you have now been introduced to is just a total badass here in Baltimore. But Jess is a designer, muralist, and life and business coach. Um, you know, she she truly is a business badass, right? Like, I, I don't know how you felt about, you know, uh, the conversation with her and, and meeting with her. Um, but, you know, here's someone that just started with the design studio. She's got a pretty unique story to tell about, you know, how she's grateful for being laid off. And, um, and, you know, just how much people love murals, right? I think the word she uses people effing love murals. And I think that's just such a great way to uh, lead in to our conversation with Jess, because we just effing love this conversation so much. Wow. So if you got little kids in the room, you might want to do earmuffs because uh, no, I'm just kidding. Jess is colorful. Uh, but uh she is enjoyable and uh, like you met, I, I learned a lot and I can't wait to break that down after uh, we listen to this interview. But without any further ado, here's Jess Langley. All right, Jess, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a early start to my morning, but I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah, early start. <laughs> so uh, why don't you share with everyone what your typical start is? Cause uh, like, I always think that's a fascinating Thing to see when people start their days. Yeah. Um, I mean, I say my office hours start at 10, but I'm usually like just having coffee around like 9 30, 10 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so unless I have a meeting, I just really take it easy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, we appreciate for people who are listening, we're actually recording well before 10 a.m. So uh, we are so <laughs> grateful for just being on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, just uh, for, for people who I know Matt and I are just getting to know you and everyone on this show who's listening to the show is going to get to know you. Um, why don't you start off by just sharing a little bit about yourself and who you are? Yeah. Um, okay. So I am immediately going to tell you like the roles that I play. Right. Um, so I'm a designer. Uh, I, I run a design studio called White Coffee Creative, and I am a life and business coach for designers as the colorful Jess. Um, other fun things about me, I just turned 30. So that's interesting feeling like three decades of life have passed behind me. Um, I'm a dog lover. I love hiking. Uh, I love being in Baltimore City. Um, and I love coffee. Hence awesome. the <laughs> awesome the name. So yeah. What type of designs like for right people that haven't gotten to meet yet? What type of designs do you typically work on? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I like to say that design is is being a designer is when you design anything in a sense. Um, so I 
what I focus on is murals, branding, and um, packaging and editorial. So editorial is like publications, annual reports, very like type heavy layout type things. And I love that. That like fulfills all my like <laughs> super design nerd heart. <laughs> so yeah. And like the style that I do is uh, I like to, to describe it as like bold, colorful, and cohesive. So I'm very much about looking at the big picture and how everything fits together. Just so, fun. Yeah. So take us back a little bit, mm -hmm. right? Like you're in this very creative and artistic space, right? That probably just didn't come about like a year or two ago, right? So mm -hmm. where, like, what are the beginnings of that? And, and kind of walk us through a little bit of the journey that, you know, the story that got you to this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun journey for sure. Um, it had its ups and downs. So my journey really started uh, at Whole Foods Market um, and I was hired as a store artist, which was just the name alone. I was like, wow, this is a real art job. Um, it was like the first time that I had ever been seriously interviewed and I was like so nervous. And they asked me, this is actually kind of funny, but they, I'm not an illustrator by any means. Like I've really had to hone that skill. And they asked me to draw an avocado with like paint markers on this sign. And I was like, I got the hierarchy right. Like I did like sale, like all my lettering and type was beautiful. And I was like, I don't know how to draw an avocado. <laughs> like, what? And I had to do it from memory, you know, it wasn't like an avocado was sitting in front of me. And I was just like, uh, green, you know, whatever. Um, and I joked with my boss later and I was like, you all did not hire me because of my drawing skills. Like you hired me just because I understand design and marketing and sales on that level. Um, but that was an, an amazing job, super transformative. I was 22 when I first got hired. So I really feel like I was starting to like step into my own in a lot of ways as well. Um, and really start to like define who I was. Um, especially as I was leaving college, like there were so many feelings around that, that time in my life. Um, but it, it was, it was a really cool time in my life. Um, and I was there for three and a half years. And that was the first place that I get, got laid off at. Um, but it wasn't that big of a deal because I was only working part-time and I had already had this other design job. So uh, right after I, um, like two-ish years into Whole Foods, I graduated college and I, um, I got hired as an intern at a local design firm. And I was like, this is so cool. Like now this is my first design job. Like I'm crushing it. I was so excited. Uh, and a few months later they hired me and right around the same time, um, or actually a year later, sorry, I'm mixing up my timelines here. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> um, a year later, I got laid off from Whole Foods and I was like, oh, that's fine. I got this huge severance package because they still had me as full time. And I was like, this is cool. I'm still like young college, you know, still like partying a little bit and all this stuff. And I was like, I I'm okay with this. <laughs> and um, so the design job was, was really awesome in a lot of ways uh, because it was such a small team that I got to go from meeting the clients all the way to final product. So I got the full experience of what it was to kind of run my own design business. So it really set me up um, for success in a lot of ways. And uh, the only unfortunate part is that I wasn't um, as invested, I think, in the company. And, and I don't know, I just, I wasn't vibing after a little bit, like it just wasn't a good fit for me anymore. Um, the work was still cool and everything. I was just like, I'm over this. And lo and behold, um, after three years there, I got laid off one day and it was, um, they went from like a team of nine to a team of six. So like they were restructuring. It was like a whole thing. And it was very sad and emotional, of course. But at the same time, I was like, this is awesome. Like, I'm like, I think I was 26 or 27 at the time. I was 26. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, it was at the beginning of the summer. And I was like, I can just take my time. I can adopt a second dog. I can spend time with my current dog. Like, um, and so that is when White Coffee Creative was born. And I, that those first like nine months were like really difficult. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I also had no idea how to price anything. 
because I worked for someone else where I had a salary and uh, hourly rate and like that was that. Um, so it was a little bit of a struggle and I bartended um, for a little bit as well with my, uh, my boyfriend has a brewery. So I bartended with him for a little bit um, while they were opening and just like did odd jobs, worked for other design firms as freelance. Um, and then about nine months in, I took a webinar that was all about um, making $100,000 as a muralist. And it was amazing because it was like my first, uh, I, I took this term from Lacey Phillips, who's a manifestation expert, okay? And she, she calls it expanders. And they were like my first expanders to make me realize that it's not that hard to make $100,000 because when you break it down by the months, it's only $8,333 a month. And I say only in quotes, okay? Cause I get that that's like a lot. Um, but at the same time, I was like, I can do this. Like that feels feasible. That's and awesome. that kind of kicked, go oh, ahead. No, no, I was gonna say that, that, that's awesome. Can you, can you just, uh, you used a couple of terms where I was like, all right, um, like you described, uh, what's your name as a, um, manifestation expert. Manifest, yeah, yeah. Well, can you what it tell me a little bit what that is exactly like yeah so um for those of you listening like I highly recommend um I'm just getting into it she has she's a neural manifestation uh she has this like philosophy and this okay. um way of doing things and she runs a she also has a podcast but she also has a program called to be magnetic and it's all about unpacking um, kind of what we want and realizing that everything stems from our subconscious. So if I wanna go make $100,000 a year, but no one in my life makes that, my subconscious literally cannot understand what that looks like because there's mm -hmm. no one that I know or who I'm looking at or who I'm seeing on the internet or whatever, who's doing what I wanna do. So it literally can't just make it up. Like our imaginations are powerful, but they're not like that powerful. So um, I'm, I'm just getting started into her stuff, but it's really fascinating um, because it's kind of like encouraging me to find those expanders as well. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No, that, that, that's really cool. Um, yeah. So, so uh, just to kind of go back with with your your, your career path and everything, mm -hmm. which I really appreciate. Um, it, it, one thing that stri strikes me is the joy in your face as you're talking about getting laid off, right? <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> Can you go a little bit deeper into that? Because no one ever says I got laid off and it was great. Because yeah. and, and I know you connected a couple of the dots in that regards, but just right. um, talk a little bit about about that. Uh, Okay, so, um, and I feel like our conversation is gonna naturally lead to money a few times because I love talking about money and not in a, not in like a braggy way, but just like, I want everyone to make lots of money that I wanna empower people to make money. So um, I got laid off, I'm gonna talk about Whole Foods first. So I got laid off, um, this was like a year into my design agency job. I was making $33,000 a year, which was very low. Um, and at Whole Foods, they wanted to, they basically asked me to come back. And my salary there, if I worked 40 hours a week, would be $52,000. And I was like, whoa, you know, I'm paying like $1,000 in rent. I got like other bills. I got a car payment. I got all these things. I was like, that's a lot of money. That's really cool. I feel very valued. My whole thing is that I've always needed to feel seen and valued and heard. Mm. Um, and that's a whole other fun conversation. But um, <laughs> So I felt that at Whole Foods, but at the same time, it's a very cyclical uh, job where every single holiday, you're doing the same thing. Every single spring, you're doing the same thing. And so I wasn't really challenging myself or pushing myself. So I knew that I wanted to stay at the, the design firm, but I was like, I can't ignore this amount of money based off of my current circumstances. And um so I basically, use, this was before I even got laid off. I used that as a tool to be like, hey, Whole Foods wants me back. Can, I, can we talk about this? And he was like, I want you to stay. So what would it take for you to stay? And that made me feel valued, right? And I was like, thank you. That means a lot. And he gave me this like $7,000 raise because that's what I asked for, and um, which was awesome. He was like, I can't give you 52, but I can give you something in between. And 
literally two weeks after that, they laid me off and I got this $8,000 severance package because they still had me listed as full time. And I was like, what is happening right now? Like, this is so cool. Like what luck when in reality, it was probably a lot of luck. It was probably a lot of privilege. It was probably a lot of like all my circumstances combined. Um, so I was like flying high and I was like, this is great. Uh, what a cool laid off experience. I was done at that time too. Like there were like um, different relationships that I had established at that Whole Foods. It was very family oriented. So I'd established them and then I let them go. And so it was kind of awkward for me to work there still anyways. So then fast forward to the next time. Um, so I watched two of my coworkers and friends get laid off ahead of me. And I was like, what is happening? Why did the whole office clear out? Like, this is weird. And um, so I, my friend called me and she was like, she was crying and she was like, like, I just got laid off. And I was like, oh, fuck, like, I'm, I'm next. I'm next. No one else is here. Obviously, I'm next. And I, I remember calling my boyfriend and I was like, hey, like, I think that that this is what is about to happen. And so <laughs> this is not like me in any way, maybe more so now, but not at the time. I walked into the office and I had my notebook and I slammed it down. I was like, let's do this. And I was just like, uh, Okay, I get it. It's time. Um, and he was very, they were very kind about it. That's a very awkward thing. Now that I'm a business owner, I think I understand a lot more about the situation. But at the time, I was obviously very bitter in a lot of ways. Um, but also, like, I finally feel free, which was really cool. Um, and I had been looking for other jobs for like a year. And I just couldn't find anything. And I don't think that I had the courage to leave. So in a lot of ways, I say that the only reason I'm here today is because I got laid off. And I even said in that moment, he had told me that the best thing that had, had happened to him was being laid off. And that's why he started his business. And I said, that's exactly what I think is happening for me. So in a lot of ways, it was a catalyst to this. Yeah. Um, and we, I know we spoke a bit last week. I don't, I don't know how much I went into this or not but I've been laid off twice. And um, for me, right, my experience, and, and you know, a lot of people who are listening to this might right, have experienced that during the pandemic. Yeah. Mine wasn't necessarily sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> um, and I don't mean that to like, you know, like I'm not sitting here jaded or anything, but uh, it, it, what I'm getting towards, right, is the end result is like, I have very similar feelings now, mm -hmm. right? That you are feeling now, but you know, the first time I got laid off, I was living in Colorado, but I was back home in New Jersey on the beach with my family on vacation. And I got a call. I'm literally sitting in a beach chair. And I could tell that they didn't feel good about having to do this, right? Because it was almost a tail between their legs moment. And then um, outside of that, right? So then I have to move back to the East Coast, or I choose, I choose to move back to the East Coast, because that's where my network is. And I uh, was fortunate enough to have a really good friend get me connected down in the Baltimore area. Felt like I was crushing it, right, in, in that role. And, you know, they called me, you know, one day, and they're like, hey, can you come in early? We've got this project we want you to work on. And I show up, and there's like, no, nobody else there, right? And How you I, know. they lied to you, like, <laughs> Dude, so that's the type of person I am. I'm like, yeah, you need me there, I'll be there, right? And I uh, I show up and they're like, hey man, before you log in, swing by my desk. And so I swing by the desk and I see like just an empty box on the floor. And, and mind you, right, like we basically worked in this like industrial warehouse type thing. Uh, and it was incredible. Uh, the experience paralleled Jess's experience where it was like, okay, the first time really stunk, right? I had to like move home, pride and ego. My confidence was zapped. At this point, I was like, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm in Baltimore. It's summertime. Like, I'm just going to go and, and allow myself time to figure this out. And at the time, I had just started dating my now wife. And that was one of the biggest catalysts for me, which was at a certain point, She's like, hey, I think we're having a lot of fun, but if we're thinking about taking the next steps, which we've been discussing, I think you need to start figuring things out and start looking outside of what you're, we're currently doing. So really the, 
what I'm driving towards here is number one, the conversation she had with me changed my life because once I got outside of my comfort zone, I really started to challenge the way that I thought and the way that I showed up in the world. And the second thing is, is once I climbed the proverbial ladder in the, the subsequent role, I got to a rung and I'm like, whoa, this is not for me long-term and I am ready to jump off, right? And go into something. And that's what's led me to where I'm at today. And, and so, I, you know, I, ha- I felt compelled to share because of the parallels and, and probably people that are going through it that might be having experiences on one side and might be having experiences on the other. So when you're coming out of that, when you're coming out of that, Jess, and, and all of a sudden, you, you know, the stars aligned for you to go in this direction. What was that like? Like right after getting laid off? No, like once the light bulb went off that like, I got to start the white coffee creative, Mm -hmm. right? I've got to go in, like talk a little bit about like that period um, and and how this thing really took off, like how you started connecting with people and how they connect with you and and go from there. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, the parallels are uh, so wild sometimes. Um, So I remember I applied for two different jobs and uh, nine to five jobs after that, because my boyfriend was like, okay, like, you know, you can't just sit at home all day. (laughs) And I was like, why not? (laughs) Um, I can start my stay at home dog mom career right now. Um, And I remember going in and being like, these benefits are great and stuff, but I don't want to sit at a desk for eight hours every single day. Um, So I did no networking really. When I was at the design firm, I didn't really like have other design friends outside of who I worked with. Like I was, I don't know, I was going through a moment where I was just like, okay, this is, this is my life and that's it. And so when I got laid off, it was a little bit of a shock in a sense, because I was like, wait, I don't even have like people who I can connect with. Um, And so I started looking for people online, looking for jobs and freelance positions and all that stuff and started to just reach out. Uh, I'm not, I think my confidence has skyrocketed since then. Um, I was not like a very confident person. And I was just like, I know that this is what I have to do to start um, connecting. So I started getting some of that just by reaching out as well as my old coworkers sending me connections as well, which was a huge benefit. So that has really um, kickstarted a lot of ongoing projects that I still have today with people or um, relationships that I've had. And so I think one of the biggest things for me actually is um, I do now have a network and that is how I know everyone. Like I met you all through my friend, Kate, right? Like I don't do a lot of outreach that works out anymore. I'm finding that all of my connections are within my current circle. And then the circle slowly expands over time. And so, can we, can we just uh, like um, going back to starting from zero, right? Like zero network to connecting with a lot of people. Um, You know, one thing I, I just, have to applaud you on the Mm -hmm. fact that when you don't, you put yourself out there, you know, and, uh, and did you face a lot of rejection? Like, um, were you like, how, and, and and when you did, like, how did you, um, how did you overcome that? How did you keep going forth until the network finally started to grow on its own? Um, Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't recall facing a ton of rejection because I think I was very selective with who I was reaching out to, okay. but I did face a lot of waiting. So I All remember right. I, I freelanced with this one design firm and I think I like contacted her in June, had like, like right after I got laid off and I was like, do you need any work done? I met with her and it wasn't until like three months later that she was like, hey, by the way, I would love to work with you. Um, and now that I'm in the position I'm in, I see that I see me doing that with other people where I'm like, thank you so much for reaching out. I don't have anything right now. And then three months later, I'll be like, Hey, are you still interested? Um, so yeah, it was, it was very hard. And I, I found, um, I started to build my network 
by reaching out to people on Instagram as well. So I'm a big, like, I like Instagram. I think that it's a beautiful tool, especially as a creative. I think there's so many other creatives on Instagram. So like as much as I struggle with Instagram in a lot of ways and had that imposter syndrome and and felt like I had to be on there all the time. Like I also see how wonderful of a um, communication tool it has been. And I think about how, like, if I had just started my business five to 10 years, if I was older and it started five to 10 years earlier, I would not be here. Like Instagram has really been something that worked for me. And so I'm like grateful that this was the time in my life that, um, you know, I, I was able to use that as a tool. So starting to connect with other designers actually really helped me. Um, and I was just like DMing people and giving them compliments. I love giving compliments and that usually works. That's <laughs> like, Hey, I love your work. You're absolutely amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> like, how can you say no to that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so that was, that was fun. And then I started the more work that I put out there, the more people did that to me as well. Mm. So it like, I feel like it probably took a solid year and a half to two years for me to really start to build a community. Um, and then I actually feel like this past year in 2020, like it's, it was amazing for me. I feel like I've built like long lasting relationships and friendships. Um, and I don't know if it was the pandemic. I don't know if it was my journey into understanding my mental health a little bit more, like my whole coaching thing. I think it was also a lot of me being a lot more authentic and, and uh, vulnerable as well. Um, and that kind of started like last year around this time where I was like, oh, wow, that, that can be a strength. Um, I can learn that rejection isn't a personal thing and that it's okay if people say no because they just aren't my people in whatever capacity. Um, I also was reaching out to people to ask about pricing. So it wasn't always just like, hey, let's connect. It was also an education thing where I was like, hey, like I would really like to understand what do you charge? How am I supposed to charge for this? Like, what are, what are the parameters here? Like, how do I come up with a number for something that I've never done in my life? And there wasn't really like in the graphic design world. And I think in a lot of worlds, there isn't a lot of industries, so to say. Um, there aren't a lot of guidelines. Like, this is what you charge here. This is what you charge here. Um, so, so yeah. And so over time, basically a lot, a lot of people, the more visibility that I showed my face and that I showed myself and that I put my work out there, people started reaching out to me. And I now kind of rely on that a little bit more because I realized that, um, it works out much better for me. If people find me, I find that those are more like stronger relationships um, and clients and all those types of things. Uh, but I still do the occasional like outreach, whether it's a personal relationship or a business relationship. Nice. Yeah. Do you find that there was like a certain aspect of the work that you're putting out into the world that started to get a yes. like gain notoriety and attention for you? Yes. Murals. People fucking love murals. Okay. Like I, so I have two Instagram accounts and my other account is all coaching. And literally the best performing post so far was a mural mock-up, which is essentially like a mural design that I did that isn't real. It's just, um, I did it on like my design programs. And I made it look pretty and I made it look real. So it looks real. People are always like, where is that? And I'm like, it's not real. <laughs> Thank you though. Yeah. Uh, but people love them. I don't know if they, I think in general, murals are having a moment right now, just like hand lettering was having a moment in the art world for a long time. Um, but I think that people, I mean, there's, I could go on murals for a whole 90 minute session, uh, but basically like they really do, they kind of fuel that community vibe too, because they bring people to a space and they're interactive and people like stop and look at them. And then they're like, oh, who designed this? And so it's just like, it's like a network within itself almost. Well, and it's almost like, it, what's funny is, is, you know, you're a top realtor or lawyer or whatever it is, and you're driving down 95, you're like 1-800-CALL-JOE, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Murals are actually, you know, the most creative form of billboard probably that I could think of, um, 
that that's really cool. And and funny enough, right? Like we were actually connected before we got connected. Do you want to just mm-hmm. kind of share a little bit of that? Because I'm actually curious, you know, how that came about. Yeah. So um, I have done, I, again, this was a connection from a connection. Um, one of my friends connected me with Trash Free Maryland, which is an awesome organization. Love them. Um, they're fantastic. And I did a lot of branding work for them and um, some like collateral design and um, their, their events like Cheers to Clean Water, which is a really cool volunteer event, uh, just did their branding and their website as well. And um, Allie from Northwestern Mutual is on their board. So she was like, hey, we have this huge volunteer event every year with our interns and we would like to do a mural. And I was like, cool, that's amazing. And so um, that's kind of how one connection led to another, led to another. And now we are doing a mural on the side of the Hamilton branch at um, Enoch Pratt Free Library, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And you sent the mock-up. You're like, have you seen it yet? I'm like, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. So you sent the <laughs> mock-up. And I, I'm, I'm kind of going to bring this back for a second, but you had talked about how much you've loved Instagram as a platform. Yeah. And one of the things that really stood out to me is you actually the thought process to design little parts of the mural so that they could be Instagrammable moments for people, right? So here, you know, we're trying to get children and and community and families to come to this library. And you've got like an airplane, you've got like a sunflower, and there's these Instagrammable moments that also are probably going to create conversations, right? Hashtags and all these things that people can then say, oh, wow, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I got to go check this out. Yeah, yeah, I I actually, I'm going to credit that whole phrase and thing to my first, um, like, colorful mural client. And that is Kate from Haven Street Ballroom, which is um, this awesome place off Haven Street. It's in Baltimore. It's a wedding and event venue, and it's beautiful. And she literally came to me and she was like, I want something that is candy coated and Instagrammable. And I was like, oh, girl, you came to the right place. Like, this is amazing. Like, it was so much creative freedom. And she had so much trust in me. And like, I had never done a colorful mural before, but she saw my design work and she was and she saw my sign painting, which was all black and white, like lettering and stuff like that. And she was like, let's talk like you're kind of the only muralist I know, but also I like your style. Um, so that's kind of where it stemmed from for me, but it is a very like Instagrammable is a thing, um, in the mural world for sure. But I love it. I think that it makes a lot of sense. And, um, also in like a shameless way, it's a ton of, um, press for me, right? Like if I ever need a photo, I can just go on that hashtag or something and be like, okay, I'll take this credit them. Thank you. Like, thank you for taking a photo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you can you can walk people up and just say that's mine you know and like yeah yes. yeah yeah yes it's, yeah I've had to um that's been a weird feeling like when we have like people come to town or family and stuff I'm like yeah I did that yeah like, that's awesome. I say it really meekly but I'm like no that's mine I did yeah it. <laughs> that's awesome that's that's really cool um so and you mentioned this before um yeah. so you're not just uh you're not just uh um creating designs and, and murals and everything like that, but you're also a coach, right? And, yes. um, yeah. and tell us a little bit about how, like, uh, how you got into coaching and what your focus of coaching is, right? Because um, mm-hmm. it can mean a whole array of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> I uh, signed up for this masterclass, basically. It was like a weekend webinar live thing with this woman I found on Instagram or Facebook. I can't even remember how I found her, but I was like, it was called Artpreneur to Coach. Mm. And I had been having, I had been inviting people in my Instagram bio, reach out for me, let's grab coffee. Obviously (laughs) pre-pandemic, miss that so much. Um, And I was realizing that every single time that I met up with someone, what I was getting out of it is that I was able to help them. It was Mm. less it was less like I was really getting as much from them and I was more giving a lot, but I liked it. Like I was like, this feels really cool. And I'm glad again, to be able to like empower people and talk to them and like help raise the industry standards. Right. It was a lot of designers. 
And um, so I was doing that and I was like, someone mentioned coaching and I was like, I don't know what this is. I remember in like middle school, we had a life coach come in and we did this wheel of life exercise. And I was like, it was really intrigued, excuse me, intriguing at the time. But I was like, I don't, I don't even know what that encompasses. So I did this more so on the, the realm of like, okay, this is going to be like some business webinar. It was not at all. It was all life. And it was basically, we did this like before the webinar, she gave us this homework and it was to go in and like, listen to this meditation and dive into our childhood and all this stuff. And I was like, I thought that this was a lot of trauma that I had like packed down, gotten rid of, like it was gone. It was not, um, it like all came up to the surface and I was like, whoa. And my coach is Michelle uh, Gomez and she's amazing. She runs um, the new MFA, all great Instagram accounts to follow. And she basically, her whole thing is our business problems, our life problems in disguise. And I, it was like a mind blown emoji, right? Like all over the place. And I realized that I was holding myself back in so many ways. Um, And it was actually after 2019, I had hit over six figures in my design and mural business, but I did it like killing myself. Like I took every project I could. I did projects I absolutely hated. Like I was doing it more so out of this, like I want to make money and less I want to help people and make an impact. Um, So yeah, so anyway, so it was life-changing. And then I um, signed up with her for this huge package where it was like four months of uh, one-on-one life coach, life and business coaching. And then this program, Um, to kind of teach you how to be a coach. So to talk a lot about emotional intelligence and all that stuff. Um, And yeah, it was, um, there's so much. I I, I can appreciate that because, um, you know, a a little bit about me, I'm a a coach as well uh, and a consultant. And, um, and I appreciate that you have, it's not just life coaching necessarily for for anyone, although I'm sure you'd be open, but it's more in your, in your network. Right. And so for me, I'm a ministry coach, right? Because I'm a youth minister and some of the same things that you're sharing about your story, I I can resonate with where the fact that, um, you know, partway through my career, I was receiving um, mentorship and coaching from other people in my industry and uh, as much as we've tried to compartmentalize. And I almost think that's an old, early 20th century mentality, right? We don't really go in and punch the clock. You know, it's not uh, like the Flintstones with, uh, you know, yabba dabba do <laughs> sliding out and like going bowling with the family, right? Like, uh, especially, and I can imagine in your world, um, I know in my world, everything just bleeds over, right? And, and connects. Yeah. And it's so easy to burn ourselves out, to burn the candle at both ends. And um, a lot of that, you um, can be tied with not just our industry, but even uh, the way that we perceived ourselves growing up, right? Like if you have, if you had something to prove or if you had low self-esteem or you saw, you had parents who modeled just like, you know, um, perfection or whatever and, and things like that. And um, I know with me, I find when a lot of people come to me to be like, all right, give me strategy. I'm like, all right, but before we give, before I give you strategy, let's kind of talk about where you are, right? Let's talk about what's going on in your heart, in your mind, and in your life. Um, and sometimes I get a little resistance to that, right? Um, um, and, and it's because you're asking people to go personal and they, they, they just want to fix the problem, right? Um, is that something you see a, a lot in your coaching and mentoring as well? And if so, how, how do you lead people through that? Yeah, um, I definitely do see that. I, I feel like one of the ways that I lead people through that and have been starting to build trust is sharing a lot of my own story. So I do find that one of my approaches, my biggest approach to coaching is mindset. So I talk a lot about like different mindsets. Like I'm definitely, so I am a coach for designers. So I focus a lot on perfectionism, feeling like if you're burnt out, going from like burnt out to feeling free and like at ease, um, as well as uh, also the strategy too, right? Like here's how to run a design business. Here's how to charge things. Um, So I, 
sharing my story has helped a lot because I think people can connect the dots and they can see how I went from this to this. Um, <clears throat> but the other thing is I just ask questions and kind of hold space, which is a little bit hard for me because I realize like I do want to just give them those solutions and I have to stop and be like, no, I need to let them work it out for themselves. And I'm just here to like gently guide them. Um, I'm like, you know, the back of like a canoe or something like I like they're like in the canoe and I'm just there to like help steer them every now and then. So it's the questions and it's the sharing the way that I did it. And then also just like showing them that, you know, this is a safe space to get vulnerable and to open up and um, we can use tools to get there too. So I do a lot of like personality based tools and assessments that I really love um, because I find that it validates people and how they approach things. Um, so, so yeah, there's that. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's interesting because I like by trade, right. I do some coaching and, and I, mm -hmm. I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and there's like the old adages, right. Like teach a man how to fish versus right. Catching all yeah. the fish for him and stuff like that. But one of the things that both of you guys may have alluded to, I know Jess, you've alluded to this, maybe unintentionally is when people are looking to connect, right. Or go into a space. Number one, I think that there's, I think there's work that you've got to do for yourself and on yourself, right. To be able to create that mm -hmm. space. But the other thing I've really come to no notice in uh, it, it, over the last couple of years is when you're trying to connect it's narrowing the focus, right? So Chris isn't just, you know, a life coach and like this broad terminology. It's like, okay, well, how do, how do you separate yourself from all this other stuff? No, he's focused in the youth ministry space, right? And, and working in with churches and things and, and, and things like that, right? Just you're in the design space, right? Like, so people now can like seek you out um, for what you do because you can relate to them, but because you can also help them get past whatever they're working through. And I think that that's where a lot of people miss, right? Because I'm in a very sales-based industry and it's like, well, everybody could be my client. It's like, well, yeah, but then nobody's going to find you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And have you guys experienced that at all? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I appreciate you bringing that up, Matt, because I, I don't know about you, Jess, but like one of the big deterrents for me as a coach is like you go on Facebook and you have the person of like, I can teach you how to coach get a hundred thousand clients and, you know, and just fix their lives. And I was like, but like in what area, because you don't know my paradigm. Right. And I'm sure that's one of the things that you bring your clients peace. Right. Is that you're, you're not just coaching them, but you're walking that walk. Right. Like I, I currently still work in a church and um, and I, I value that because I want my clients to know I have solidarity, even though each paradigm is, is, is slightly unique or, or slightly different. Um, it, it's kind of knowing that like, Hey, I understand some of the, the bureaucracy or the fears or the, you know, temptations that, that, that you face. Um, and, and so, yeah, Matt, with your, your question, like if people are interested in getting to coaching, you've got to know, like, it's not that you have to be an expert in a specific, specific field, but you do have to think in your head, who's my ideal client? Who's the, who are the people that I want to walk with in a company, you know, through the, through this, this season of their life? I completely agree. Um, and that's actually one of the things that I really dove into with my own coach. And then now that I like, I really dove into who was my ideal client for my design studio. And I even have this, like, are we a good fit questionnaire? And it's something that I, in a sense, like preach in my coach um, sphere as well, because I'm like, if you don't know who your aligned client is, then you're not going to know who isn't your aligned client. And you're going to struggle and you're going to feel resentful when you're working with them because they're not going to speak the same language as you. So I talk mm -hmm. a lot about like, once you find out who you are, your clients mirror you and reflect you in so many ways, which I think is why it's very natural for a lot of us to coach 
in this, the place that we came from too, because we can relate so well. Um, there are a lot of similarities, like in my realm, I find that a lot of designers struggle with perfectionism too. Like it is this need to be pixel perfect. Like it's such a thing. Um, and, and it's like a cute personality trait and it's, it's not cute. Okay. It's not like it is, it should be a disorder to be honest in, mm. in my unprofessional opinion. Okay. I'm not right. here to, to diagnose anyone. Um, but I, yeah, it's just. Uh, what, what, what do you think that self-imposed pressure comes from? You know, mm. it's like, cause so just to use my, my reality, um, uh, I tell, I tell my clients a lot of times and, and even the students I mentor, our goal in life as Christians is not to be perfect. It's to be holy. Right. And so you can be imperfect while you're holy. Um, so, so the, the fight we have against perfection, right. Uh, um, is the fact that remembering it's okay to be human because within humanity is beauty. And, um, and, you know, um, again, God created you in his image. And so why would your imperfect image be anything less than beautiful? Right. So, so that's kind of something that I have to coach, whether it's the students I mentor as a youth minister or as a consultant to remind them that you don't have to be perfect. You just, you just have to be human and, 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 you know, and and the pursuit is holiness in that regards. Um, How, how, how do you combat the perfectionism um, in, in your industry? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really beautiful the way that you just said that. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I always, I, I, I'm, I come from, like I said, the mindset approach. So I have learned a lot about limiting beliefs and patterns mm-hmm. and how all of this stuff stems from childhood. And it doesn't always have to stem from your parents. It could stem from your teachers, from your peers, whoever you hung out with most with most people, it is their parents and their siblings um, and their family. And so I ask them questions of just like, what did you hear growing up? Like a lot of the people that come to me, it was like, oh, you got a B? That's not good enough. Like A's, straight A's were the only thing that was really allowed, um, myself included. And it was like, you're just, there's a lot of like holding yourself to a higher standard and um, because of these other people in your life who held you to the standard that isn't realistic, to be honest. Um, so I think that kind of the, uh, the way that I get them to understand it is just saying like, what would happen if it's not perfect? Like what's really the worst that could happen? Is it worth it to spend 10 hours on a project that only needs one hour? Like, is that really how you wanna spend your life? Like, are you here just to make something perfect or are you here to like run a business, make an impact and like make some money to live your life? Uh, and yeah, I mean, perfectionism runs so deep. Um, but I think that uh, it does stem from a very similar place, no matter what industry or kind of person you are. And I love the phrase imperfectly perfect because I do like to remind people that we are also human. Like it is okay, we're gonna mess up. Like it's just gonna happen, nothing's gonna be perfect. And one of the phrases actually that I love to say is you do not have to be perfect to get paid. Um, And there's like in so many aspects, right? Like you're gonna stump, like if you have anxiety getting on a call with a new client, you're gonna stumble over your words and that's okay. They're not gonna look at you and be like, this person sucks. Um, you just say that to yourself. So there's a lot of uh, uh, quieting your inner critic as well that I really believe in and that I've like, I am I am very proud of myself for really working on that in the past year. And it's taken, it took me 30 years to get there. So I'm not expecting anyone to overnight be like, okay, I no longer talk bad to myself. Like it's going to happen. It still happens for all of us, even if we've quote mastered or you know are mastering that um way of, of talking nicer to ourselves, being kinder awesome awesome you know, there's two things that come to mind and i hope you know i can share here so the first is i i was driving to new jersey with my wife and my daughter last night and we were talking about mindset a little bit my wife and i my daughter had her headphones on and she was watching like <laughs> scooby-doo or something um but 
you know, my wife was saying, you know, I heard this recently about the guy who tried to swim the English Channel and he's swimming and he's got this team and uh, it's just terrible weather and he's exhausted and he's in the English Channel. He's having trouble communicating. And essentially he calls the team and says, hey, guys, I think I got to pack it in. I think we got to try this on an, another day. And so they pick him up and they drive him. They drive him, you know, in the boat to shore and he realizes after the fact, he's, the, the weather was so bad he couldn't see anything that he was like only a hundred yards from hitting the shoreline. And uh, that was just so powerful to me. And it made me think back to, uh, and, and this is, I, I don't know if it's a shameless blog or just saying it, but I, I think it's something Chris can relate to is uh, the use of visualization when I ran a marathon by myself with no race in last September, I just, every time it felt like my brain wanted to drift towards like, it's okay. No one would see, right? Like I kept just visualizing what it would feel like when I got to the finish line. Like my dad was riding alongside me the bike. I was thinking about like the hug I was going to give them, the text that I was going to send. And the reality is, is I, I think sometimes we do it consciously or unconsciously. Um, this specifically I had worked on beforehand, but I'm so happy that I didn't stop that hundred yards before the end of the finish line. Okay. Now the, the flip side of that, it, and you, there's something that's just been burning for me to ask. And, you know, it's, uh, it's around this block, like these blocks and these perfectionisms. Have you read the war of art by Stephen Pressfield? Okay, cool. So, for, yeah. So, um, cause I, I could tell from how you answered some of the questions with us that you are a reader. There's some things you really poured yourself into. And this was, uh, a book it's, it's a little bit older. It was recommended to me. And again, I'm, I'm more in the sales space and, and, and things like that. And it, like it was written for artists, but is so applicable across the board. And so the war of art by Stephen Pressfield could even be something, and it's not a tough, like it's not a tough read. So even if you have clients that aren't readers, that just kept resonating with me as you were talking. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, and Matt, I appreciate you sharing that book. And I think art um, has such um, applicability, if that's a word in, in, in society, because you know, one of the problems that we're facing, I think, just across the globe is a lack of creativity and innovation, you know, um, and you look at some of these larger organizations, Pixar, Google, Apple, and they all have these like innovation laboratories, you know, for their employees to go and just create things that have nothing to do with their everyday job, right? Um, and, and that ability to, to do that. And even if you are in more of a finite career there are times where systems break down, right? Um, processes break down. What used to work will no longer work because it's not infinite. And, and that's where I think, you know, creativity and however you're creative, right? Whatever your brush is, whatever your canvas is, um, I think we have to be, uh, we have to be able to embrace that visualization, embrace those moments where we can be risky um, attempt failure and, and kind of going back to what you were saying, Jess, right? Like, um, we don't have to be perfect in order to, to, um, create something beautiful, right? We don't have to be perfect, um, to, to get the job done. Um, and I think once we embrace that humanity, once we embrace our imperfections, we're actually embracing, you know, the most beautiful parts of us that, um, something or someone has told us is is not worthy and and and, and i think it, it that's the the battle that a lot of us fight and and so i uh, you know just i appreciate just what you do um you know not just with the murals and, and and with your art inspiring people whether it's through a marketing campaign or you know just beautifying uh the environments around us to coaching because it's just reminding us that there's something bigger and greater out there than what we what we perceive in our everyday lives. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and I also just wanna say that I think 
Something that I have learned in the past year as well is that we are all artists and creative in our own way and we're allowed to be. Um, and it just takes us like owning it and being okay with it, not being perfect for us to realize it and then have fun with it. And I think, you know, typical, like I don't call myself an artist and I realize that I am an artist to anyone else. People would think that I'm an artist. Um, but I think that that's something too, that like, if the whole world embraced that a little bit more and stopped getting rid of like art class in school, like we would, we'd all be like a little more well-rounded and like innovative because I think that perfection also stops innovation and creativity because we're like, oh, well, it's not perfect. I can't release this. Like no one's gonna, you know, whatever. And I think that it's really just like a snowball effect. Like one person's little creativeness adds up to someone else. And then it like, you know, catapults. So, um, but yeah, thank you. So I, I think, right, like the three of us could probably sit here and talk all day, right? It's, and, and I think we're all loving every aspect of this and we hope that the listeners are as well. But as we're wrapping up, you know, one quick question I had for you, I think Chris probably has a quick question or two for you is, you know, I brought up The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield as a book that I think could be really great in your space, but for anyone, uh, what books, you know, have you read that have, have made a profound impact in your life or ones that you're recommending to others that maybe if our listeners uh, are readers or want to be readers that they, they might want to dip into? Yeah, so I have three books that I would love to recommend that I do, um, I do talk about quite a bit. The first is You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. I think that that is good for anyone out there because it is a very money mindset approach. And I think that um, something that as capitalist as America is, <laughs> there's also a lot of like dividing among like, you know, we have to be worthy to make this amount of money. So I think that it tackles a lot of those limiting beliefs and is um, really eye-opening. And the other two are kind of in the same sphere. And I think that they're beautiful. Um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert and Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And both of them are very short chapters and very easy reads. And I think that they also go into the topics of like self-love, worthiness, as well as being creative souls. Um, as they're both writers, obviously, but like how you can apply that to whatever it is you do, whether you do finance, sales, brewing, um, plumbing, or, you know, design. Uh, I think that that it's all really beautiful. I'm seeing a white coffee collective coffee table book in your future, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know if anyone else was envisioning this as you were talking, but I'm seeing this like sitting on my table with like these awesome murals and different things. And I'm just like, let's do it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. I'm going to kind of change gears and, and ask you, um, the, uh, we asked you this question ahead of time and um, I, I just want to hear it, but what is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love about yourself or others? Um. Yeah. So laughs. I love mm -hmm. when people laugh as I was giggly throughout this entire podcast. <laughs> like I just, I really like laughing and I definitely have, my laugh has changed over the years, um, especially like from a kid to an adult. And I have one laugh that sounds like a bird and I don't know where it comes from. It's just like really ear piercing. <laughs> and it's like when I'm like, really like, it's just like a cackle type situation. <laughs> and, um, but I just, I, I think humor has always been something that I feel like brings people together as well. So I think that um, it's just been something that I've always admired in others. And so I'm like, oh, if I can make someone laugh or if I see someone laughing, that is like pure joy. Mm. I, I'll have to share with you um, this little video on uh, di different types of laughter done by this uh, duo called Trip and Tyler. They do a lot of... Um, you know, uh, video promotion for things like Zoom and Constant Contact and things like that. And uh, they're very much in the business management world, but they just have this one funny video about different laughs. And, uh, and uh, I, I agree, like I have, I feel like I have different laughs for different occasions, right? Or, you know, yeah. there's the, the hard belly laugh, the little chuckle, things like that. So, um, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right. So, 
Jess, if people want to, I know you've shared a little bit about your Instagram accounts and everything like that, but if people want to connect with you, uh, whether it's to eventually grab coffee when, when that becomes, uh, well, Cafe Frescas, you know, they're opening up again uh, and, and everything. But if people want to connect with you or just learn more about what you do or your thing, uh, where, where, where can we direct them? Yeah, I would say Instagram for both. Um, like I said, I'm all up in my DMs. So if you want to send me a message or comment on something or follow me, uh, my design studio is at White Coffee Creative Co. Co. And then my coaching business is at The Colorful Jest. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Jess, thank you for being on the show. You were definitely a friend of the show. And uh, we are so glad to have had this opportunity to connect with you. And on behalf of Matt and I and all of our listeners, thank you not only for being on the show, but for being you. Thank you both so much. I think this is awesome. I can't wait to listen to all the episodes. All right, Matt, another excellent conversation. Uh, again, I hope, uh, I hope, uh, well, I know Jess lived up to the hype that we uh, presented at the beginning, but uh, what were some of the big takeaways you had from uh, our conversation with Jess today? Yeah, I, I think there were a few, Chris. Um, you know, the first is, uh, you know, and we're starting to see this. I mean, we're starting to see a little bit of a thread, but you know, you know, I are uh, around enough business-minded people and consultants and stuff like that. But one thing I really took away from Jess was um, how much can I help them, right? How much value can I provide and what can I give? Right. right? And that, like, when I heard her talk about that principle, it brought me back to this book, The Go-Giver, that I just love, that revolutionized my thinking. And that was, you know, the, really the first thing that stood out to me. Yeah, that, that resonated with me well. Uh, this kind of desire to not only succeed, right? Because she she definitely is driven, um, you know, I, 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 and, and gives us permission that it's okay to make money, right? But it's okay to make money while you help other people as well. And it's being like responsible and a good steward of, of everything that you're given. And so that really uh, resonated with me and uh, especially coming from her own personal story, right? Like the fact that, you know, she saw that she struggled with some of these things and saw this need to walk with other people through those struggles as well, I thought was huge. And, um, and it, it's good to have uh, people like that in this world um, who can accompany those who, who might just be having a hard time or just need to get to that next level. Um, and, uh, you know, Matt, it, it was kind of cool to hear uh, the project that uh, she was working on um, you know, that in a way that you guys got connected beforehand and, um, and, uh, I'm now on the watch for when I go into Baltimore city to see if I can see a, a Jess Langley mural here or there. Um, and so, you know, for those of you who are listening and live in the Baltimore area, if you drive around and see a Jess, uh, Langley mural, get, uh, take a picture, share it on Instagram, give her some love. Um, any, any other takeaways, Matt, that you would, uh, have from this? Yeah, so right, we're always talking with people about connection and mm -hmm. um, just talking about the power of no um, mm. and, and in two different ways. So the first was no can just mean not right now. Right. And uh, some of the best projects she had, right, it took time for that to come full circle. Right. The second aspect is saying no when you or a prospective client or person in your life just aren't going to be an ideal fit. Mm. And, you know, she had to figure out what was an ideal fit. And, you know, she talks about using a questionnaire and, and stuff like that. But the power of no, I think is uh, something that a lot of people struggle with. But when you start giving yourself permission to say no, you realize that it's not personal. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's almost like advocating for yourself. And I think, you know, when you're running a business that you are doing something you're so passionate about, the no is what keeps you passionate and keeps you providing value. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think that's definitely important. Um, and, and something that I've struggled with before, right. Uh, you know, wanting to say yes, because I want to please people. I want to affirm, you know, but forgetting that sometimes some of those yeses 
um, when you say yes to something, right, you're saying no to someone or something else. And, uh, and so you've, uh, what you might be saying no to your passions, your focus, your priorities, your family. Um, and so it's so important to, to keep that in mind as well. Um, you know, for me, the big takeaway that I have, again, um, is just this uh, drive um, towards, towards your goals, right? And not to be, to be bold and, and, and uh, fearless when it comes to accomplishing the things that um, you know, you're set out to do, you feel called to do. And so I uh, really felt inspired by Jess. And uh, I know after we had sat down and interviewed with her, I just wanted to like start tackling some of these other projects I had in front of me. So, um, so yeah, so it was good to connect with Jess and, and, and for uh, people who wanna uh, connect with her further, um, obviously uh, you can connect with her on social media, um, uh, especially with uh, uh, White Coffee Creative. Um, and so we'll have uh, those links in the show notes as well. And um, for those of you who are listening um, and want to learn more about not just Jess, but um, some of our other guests, uh, please uh, go to betweenthemiles.com. Um, and of course, you can follow us on social media with Between the Miles. We're on Facebook and Instagram, and we'd love to connect with you, get to know you, and possibly share your story one day here on the podcast. Uh, but Matt, um, always a pleasure uh, taking this journey with you. Can't wait for the next show to meet our next guest uh, or introduce our next guest. Um, but like always to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and if you feel inspired by the show, uh, definitely share it with your friends, your family, um, and even your neighbors to maybe break the ice. And we'll catch you next time.